Welcome to episode 400. Yes, episode 400 of the Strangers and Aliens podcast, a podcast about science fiction, fantasy, faith, and Christianity. And this episode is definitely a milestone for us to have been doing this for as long as we've been doing it and putting out this many episodes. Obviously, it's been fewer episodes recently as far as um, not doing one per week kind of a thing. But this is episode 400. And so uh, I thought it would be appropriate to, to do something special. And when I realized that it was going to be very hard this week to pull together anything with Steve and Evan and myself, uh, I started thinking about other options, like when we did our 10th anniversary episode and we re-released episode number one in, in that episode. And so we're going to be doing something similar here. And one of the reasons why I didn't want to wait until I could pull in Steve and, and Evan is because we've got other episodes we want to record that have that are timely. And so we've got some movies coming up and things like that. I just didn't want to wait on episode 400. And so that does mean by going back into the archive, we will have an episode that features myself, that features Steve and Dr. Jace, which, again, I think it's appropriate for some of these milestones to take a look back and to uh, just revisit some of those old conversations and be able to hear some of those old familiar voices or younger voices, because this episode that we're looking at today is episode number seven. Episode number seven comes from 2012. Uh, it's February 2nd, actually, that we record it, 2012, which is just uh, <laughs> 11 years and 11 days from when I'm recording right now. So that's that's kind of cool. One of the reasons why going back into the archive like this kind of makes sense is because we also have a cap limit to the number of episodes that are in our feed that goes out to iTunes and to other places. The cap limit that we have is 350 episodes, which means if you are using your podcatcher, depending on what you're using, you may not be able to see the first 50 episodes of the podcast. For most people, it doesn't really matter. They're not really looking back that far to go back and dig into our archive. But... That also means if people aren't digging into our archive to go back that far, that we can dig in ourselves and dig up some treasures. And so that's what this episode is. Now, I'm not presenting the entire episode. I am going to leave the feedback or not the feedback, the mailbag portion off of this episode because uh, it's referring to previous episodes that we had uh, talking about Star Wars, the prequels, and the original trilogy. But I am going to include the entire conversation that we had, and the topic that we were talking about was sci-fi versus fantasy. Now, the sci-fi versus fantasy, it was not meant to be a battle royale or anything like that. We are talking about just what what the different genres can do that the other one can't do, where the strengths lie. And then as I was listening to it, there was just some interesting conversation that was happening around that. And so it was fun to hear some ideas that I, you know, have been talking about apparently for you know 11 or more years. Uh, and then it was also fun to hear Dr. Jace again. Uh, we introduced ourselves as the sci-fi guys. That was something that we had tried to uh, brand ourselves as the sci-fi guys on Strangers and Aliens. Uh, it didn't didn't last too 
too long, but I do like the way it rolls off the tongue. I believe that was a phrase that Dr. Jace came up with, the sci-fi guys, but it just didn't, it just didn't last. We were, we were strangers and aliens, you know, we didn't need the sci-fi guys. Also, one of the things that you'll hear is a recurring gag, a running joke about how we can't do introductions well, and you probably have heard us go back to the well for that recurring running joke uh, not too long ago. I don't remember when the last time was that we did it, but I do remember doing it in the <laughs> just recently. Another thing that I found interesting is as we were talking about fantasy and science fiction, the phrase speculative fiction, I know it's been out there for a very long time, but I am pretty sure that back then I hadn't come across that phrase yet. Uh, I I think that the first time I came across the phrase speculative, speculative fiction that I took notice of it was from some other podcasts that I was exploring, and it was a, a writing podcast that I it's disappeared since, but... Now, writing podcast was all about writing science fiction and fantasy, but they use the umbrella speculative fiction. And so I found it interesting that I didn't have that phrase in my back pocket as we were talking about, you know, fantasy and sci-fi. Uh, but you will hear Steve's umbrella phrase, and it's a very simple one. And it actually makes a lot of sense as he's talking about what, what is the difference between science fiction and fantasy. Another interesting thing about this is because it's so long ago, this episode is pre-Avengers. So as we're talking about things, the only context we have as we're talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, and the Incredible Hulk. But that was the only context that we had. The Avengers movie had not come yet, and we were awaiting that movie. So finally, something else is... This is 11 years ago, and already we were making jokes about our age. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. 11 years ago, I was making jokes about feeling old and being old, and now it's 11 years later. And I actually, I have to say, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if I feel younger than I felt on that day back in February of 2012 when we were recording it. But uh, lately I've been feeling younger and, and I don't know, feeling more energized. I've been trying to get more healthy, trying to eat right, get movement and that kind of thing. Um, I've also been, I, my mind has been feeling a little more healthy. And I think part of that is because I've been making more time to exercise my mind and to, to make time to write and work on the you know science fiction book and getting ready to edit that and, and put it out there. Um, not just edit. I mean, the editing is pretty much done. Now it's getting ready to format the book, get it out there, get it ready to go through Amazon. Uh, we've got a short story anthology that we are working on, that we are recruiting sci-fi authors to uh, work on it with us and, and to do this uh, short science fiction uh, stories anthology. And that's something I've always wanted to do. And it's something that I got to thinking about. And I thought, I have a great idea. It's a crazy idea. Just crazy enough. It just might work. And so I'm feeling younger. I don't know if I'm looking younger, but... I'm feeling it. So anyway, I just thought it was funny that we were making jokes about being old even back then. Now, part of that was we did have a range of age on the show where I don't even know how old Dr. Jace was. He never told us how old he was. We only knew that he was younger than I was. I was in the middle there, and then you had Steve. Now, Dr. Jace was not as young as Evan is, but yeah. Uh, so anyway, there's that. The last thing I wanted to do was I... 
we talk about Isaac Asimov and kind of his definition of the difference between science fiction and fantasy. But one of the reasons why I selected this topic and selected this episode to be the one that we use for episode 400 here is because I had recently come across some quotes that were talking about the difference between science fiction and fantasy. And so I'm going to go ahead and read these quotes because I, I like these quotes. They are reductive. That's, that's one thing as you're talking about science fiction and fantasy, especially when you have uh, Steve and he talks about his kind of why he wouldn't necessarily make a division. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll hear it. You'll, we'll get to it. But these quotes, again, like I said, they're reductive but they do kind of tug at what what do you see here so i was looking for some a quote for something else for a project and i came across this one it's from miriam allen deford and miriam says science fiction deals with improbable possibilities fantasy with plausible impossibilities i really like that i i really i think it's a yeah it's it's pithy it's cute, you know, and it's it's a you know a nice wordplay, and there's a rhythm to it. Science fiction deals with improbable possibilities, fantasy with plausible impossibilities. It's just nice, and it kind of does get into some of the things we're going to talk about in this episode. Finding that quote made me think about Orson Scott Card's uh, quote, where he says, "Science fiction has rivets, and fantasy has trees." <laughs> So now he was when he said that quote, he was talking mainly about covers and and what you would find on the cover of a fantasy book and on the cover of a science fiction book, which also kind of dives into just why do we have those divisions in the first place? And it's, you know, we categorize things so we know what we're getting. You know, that's why we have different categories of shelves in the grocery store. And so when you are sitting down with a science fiction book, you do have an expectation of what you're going to get from it. And when you're sitting down with a fantasy book, you have some, an expectation of what you're going to get from that, too. So all that said, uh, I'm going to play the episode now. This episode 400 is also a milestone for another reason, and that is this is the last time I think, <laughs> unless I do, well, I think. It might happen if I do another, you know, pull from the vault or whatever. But it's going to be the last time that we play the full opening theme song that we've had for 400 episodes, give or take, because we had some special episodes where we used special special openers. I'm going to try and shorten the, the opener for starting with episode 401. That's been my plan for a long, long, long time. Uh, I love the opening theme theme but it is it is a little long and, and when I listen to episodes I just think to myself all right let's get into it and if I'm thinking that I'm sure other people are thinking that I know there are people out there who do appreciate what we have and so you know when we do dive into the vault maybe we'll pull that out again but uh let's start with episode 401 it's it's not a reboot we're not starting over with episode one, which I actually had thought about doing is uh, just pretending to do a reboot and, you know, to start over with episode one. And then when we get to episode 500, go back to the legacy numbering like comic books, you know, but we're not going to do that. Instead, though, I am going to make a little bit of changes to it. And episode 401 will feature uh, actually a friend of the show, Nathan Marchand. Uh, we will talk about the experience that we had going to Fort Wayne, Indiana for a special theatrical event of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and the live show with, with William Shatner afterward where he did some question and answer time. It was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. So that is next episode. 
But instead of looking forward to next episode, let's look backward to episode number seven. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. Strangers and aliens. I am your father's best friend, Palmer. versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did was that he created something, so we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Hello, welcome to the podcast. This is Strangers and Aliens. I'm Ben, one of the sci-fi guys, and joining me are... Dr. Jace. <laughs> we don't we never have a, a way to, to do this. It's always like whoever can jump in first and then the other one doesn't know if they're stepping on each other's toes and Yeah and it's always a lot of my, fun. You stepped on my toes. I was saying my name and then you jumped in and then I did. Totally, yeah, you, you know, stepped on that. his toes to say one of us is worried about stepping on toes. Exactly. Well that's because I always feel like I'm doing that. So we should script these. Let's just really? start all over again with a new script. Yes. And let's be very robotic about it. Okay, Can ready? We? Okay, here we go. <laughs> Take two. Hello. Welcome my. to Strangers and Aliens. Oh, you stepped on my toes. We... <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't Just work. robotic oh. toes, so it's not Okay, well, I'm, I'm Ben Avery, and I <laughs> write comic books, and I like science fiction. That's why I'm here. And Dr. Jace and Steve, if you give a quick introduction to yourselves. We'll start Dr. with Jace. Dr. Jace. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, I'm Dr. Jace. Good enough. I'm... And she's kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Fine. No, I I'm not going to talk. I couldn't not do that. So That's all right. No, okay. I'm, Go ahead. I'm done. I'm done. No. Oh. Well, I am um, an author and I, I teach at Regent University. I teach, um, I get, actually, I get to teach people about movies and, and stuff. But um, but yeah, Ooh, Steve, I, I, I just, I'm also an, I'm an actor and uh, I like to act. So, Steve, you can take it from there. Cool. Um, I like to act, too, but I'm not an actor. Um, I, my name is Steve, and uh, I am also a writer, uh, although uh, much less published than the, my two colleagues here. Um, but not that I don't want to be. So if anybody wants to publish my stuff and really enjoys my insane ramblings, please give me a call or text or email or whatever, and I will follow up on that. I will vouch for Steve on this point. When he's writing a story he does not ramble as much as when he's writing say <laughs> about star wars so we've had a lot of uh topical ideas and we've had some people even suggest some topics like doctor who hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy those were two um suggestions were, from a, a listener um which and, bad. yeah <laughs> which is basically me pretending um yeah. <laughs> to be someone else but uh yeah we've got some ideas for like specific things harry potter's another one which right. i'm going to destroy all credibility here I have only read one Harry Potter book and seen two Harry Potter movies. Loser. Uh, yeah, I just uh, when I read Harry Potter, well, we, we don't need to get into that. Um, 
So we've had some specific ideas of, of specific genre, uh, not genres, specific titles, but um, we did just spent two episodes on Star Wars. So we were thinking, what can we talk about that's not so specific? And let's get broad again. You know, we start out with why sci-fi. And so I think that today's topic, we're going to be talking about science fiction versus fantasy. And this is not you know, something that like Captain Kirk versus Captain Picard, where we're actually... we'd fight about how the fight would go down which but, is actually a pretty easy fight but never mind yeah because <laughs> fantasy would win like <laughs> in heartbeat well but the the idea being you know how are they different how are they similar and what kind of stories can you do with one that you can't do with the other and vice versa and and not that you can't do certain things with one genre but you know they they lend themselves toward different things so um i thought i'd start with actually a quote from isaac asimov the uh, the master of all this, and then yeah, turn over the floor to. Why, why the... don't you explain who that is for those who are the casual sci-fi fantasy fan? Well, I'm going to right here. Isaac oh, okay. Asimov is. A, I didn't writer. mean to step on you or anything. <laughs> My toes hurt bad enough as it is. <laughs> uh, Isaac Asimov is the grandmaster science fiction writer in a lot of ways. Um, I think some people might argue that there are other writers who Jules are Verne. more influential than he is, but um, he, he's definitely up there. And he's written some of the, the, the classics of science fiction that, that are the go-to for a lot of, of the fans. Um, he also edited a science fiction magazine for a long time. He's not alive anymore, but when he was alive, he had this, this magazine that it was uh, a science fiction magazine, but he wrote this article basically responding to readers who objected to putting fantasy stories in their science fiction magazine. Basically you got peanut butter in my chocolate kind of thing. Um, and together they didn't taste great according to them. That makes complete sense. <laughs> uh, see, yeah, I'm, I'm old and that's why it makes sense. If, if you're old, you know, the, you got peanut butter in my chocolate and together chocolate in my they peanut taste butter. great. Now people are like, yeah, that's Reese's. That's pretty much a common thing. That's, so well, that was the idea. That was the commercial yeah, yeah. for Reese's. That, anyway, yeah. so this is wow. what Isaac Asimov said. He said, basically, in a very broad sense, this is quoting now, all fiction and a great deal of nonfiction is fantasy and that it is drawn from the imagination. We in our group, however, give the word a special meaning. It is not the plot of a story that makes it a fantasy, however imaginative that plot may be. It is the background against which the plot is played out that counts. And then he says, to give specific examples, the Foundation series, which is a series he wrote, is science fiction, and Lord of the Rings is fantasy. To be more general about it, say, uh, spaceships and robots are science fiction, while elves and magic are fantasy. So he kind of paints a very broad picture of the, the differences between them. And then you have Star Wars, which literally is the Reese's peanut butter cup of yes. science fiction and fantasy. So I thought we'd start out just kind of talking about fantasy. What is it and what do we like about it? And what, what are some fantasy series and, and books that we like? Um, so I'm going to turn it over to Steve now, Steve thoughts. Yes. Thoughts, my thoughts. Um, well, okay. Here's, <laughs> here are my thoughts. I, I think when you, when you have something that's, uh, that's as broad as fantasy, I think, in my in my thinking anyway science fiction falls under fantasy um because it is fantastic writing uh, it's it's fantastic literature it it doesn't exist 
outside of the realm of that story. Um, it it's future fantasy. It's it's not you know past fantasy like Lord of the Rings type of a thing. Um, but even saying that, you can have something set on a different planet where it could be in the far future. Of course, it seems like it's in the past because of the whole context of it. So it, it, there's it, it bleeds into each other so much um, that anyway, I so why Star Wars. Star Wars is a long time ago, so that would be in the past. It was, but it wasn't originally uh, envisioned as being a long time ago. There was some points in the script where it was set in the future, in our right. future. But but what it ended up being, yeah, yeah. Was and in what the past. It ended up being is yes, ended up being in the past. So, so why you know, why do we have to delineate between the two then? I think delineating between the two is is purely aesthetics and uh, purely how how someone feels towards it how it affects people science fiction affects people differently than fantasy does um you know there was a time in my life where i just i i couldn't get enough science fiction but fantasy was just like eh because it hadn't reached me yet and it it took something you know very specific for me to start getting into it to start understanding it a little bit better and now it it almost seems like fantasy is, is creeping over and taking over the 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 sense that i had um, that the feel that I got from science fiction, it's different now that in a fantasy setting. Um, and it, it goes into superhero type stuff too, where you have, you know, superhero comic book, that type of thing is a fantasy as well. Super powered fantasy instead of super science fantasy or See, super I would, magical fantasy. I would actually disagree on that note. Um, I actually, uh, because Depending, I guess, if you're talking about the original comics, the original comics where everyone's powers were magical, then yeah, then it'd be fantasy. But if you go into the more recent, like X-Men, Spider-Man, that has a science component to it. Um, Is that the difference? It's arguable. I I mean, Jace, is that that the difference between the two? Science fiction has science? See, for me, for me, I like a broader... Uh, term for each I, I don't like how some people try to really uh, delineate between the two um, but yeah I mean if, if, if for me when I look at science um, I think of or science fiction I'm sorry I, I think of a science component fantasy um, just does not like I would think of fairy tales as fantasy Lord of the Rings is fairy tales and um, you know and I think that you're right that Star Wars is kind of a hybrid in that it has, it doesn't even really talk about science, at least the original trilogy. When they get into the Mediachlorians or whatever you call those guys, then it's, it's like a pseudoscience. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for me, I like a broader term. I like a broader definition of science fiction versus fantasy as far as one is science focused, i.e. Star Trek. You know, it's a very, you know, science is a part of it. Even, you know, Spider-Man is, has a science to his his. Um, his origin story and then fantasy is um you know lord of the rings narnia um those those types of stories well it brings up an interesting thing with the like the marvel movies that have been coming out where they have thor which is a great superhero fantasy and i love how they it basically takes superman mix in lord of the rings and you get thor yeah the movie I, I love that. And then you have uh, Iron Man, which is meant to be grounded in reality. It could happen. Um, I mean, when I say it could happen, I mean, they, they 
the science might be really, really flimsy, but you know, a guy putting on armor so he can fight other guys in armor that's mechanical and computerized and nanotech and all that stuff. And then, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you have the mix, you have the going together into the Avengers movie that's coming out this summer where I think it's the summer, right? Yeah. And, and, uh, what's the guy's name that directed Iron Man? Favreau? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. He had a problem with that because he worked so hard to make this kind of gritty reality sort of in Iron Man. Uh, and then how do you how do you bring into that universe the magic of Thor, for example? And and then you bring in um, Captain America, which kind of had both in some ways, but mm, less magic-y, but definitely with the the Hydra element. Um in Captain America. I found Captain America very interesting with that element because it took something that usually, typically, like a, a cult leader will, you know, say, this thing has magical properties and blah, 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 blah. And obviously it's bunk and they get, you know, figured out that it's bunk. But here's someone who believed in these magical properties or whatever. And, but it was true. I mean, you don't get that in our world. In our world, when you have someone who believes something is magical, it turns out that the person is usually insane because that doesn't exist here, or at least the way that it you know that it usually plays out in, in films and stuff. And now you have someone who believes it, and in this reality, in this universe, it does exist. So instead of being insane, this person is linked into something that is that exists and it, it really recast the red skull in a different light uh for for me anyway and conversely in the thor movie this is one of the issues that i have with the thor movie when they're describing magic they basically say it's it's uh science that hasn't been discovered yet it's that or, arthur c clark yeah, idea of anything that looks I mean anything that's advanced technologically enough looks like magic to right. someone who's more primitive right. which I take great issue with it, although it would um, have that effect it, the future science would have that effect I think it completely eviscerates the whole reason why magic is in stories and I think it's a, it's a completely different conversation I'd, I'd like to do it as a as uh, a, a self-existing show, just a you know a show in and of itself, about uh, talking talking about magic. Um, so I won't really get into it now, but magic exists for real literary reasons, and if you take it out of that context, especially like Thor, which is deep, deep in this in this uh, magical sense, and if you just say, well, it's it's just science that you haven't discovered yet, um, it really dumbs it down. Yeah, but, so that, that's just a literary device. I mean, isn't it just a way of instead of having to explain? It's the a movie, modern literary device that uh, that doesn't explain it. It it. Why does it, it have takes, to be explained? Well, exactly. It doesn't really have to be explained. But when they do explain it that way, it uh, it minimizes what it really is supposed to be there for, and it doesn't explain it at all. But they're I really explaining think it, for Thor, they're trying to do that so it would fit more in yeah, with like the Iron exactly. Man. Exactly. The universe that could have an Iron Man like it has, and a Captain America like it has, and and the Hulk like it has, which because they're putting them all together. Yeah. Um, and it's not the first time it's been done. I mean, Stargate. Good grief! Oh, yeah, yeah. I I really enjoy Stargate, but I was 
um, I was talking to a guy from Norway who wanted to do a story. He's an artist and he wanted to, to do a story with me about how it turns out that um, the Greek gods were all, were all aliens. And, <laughs> um, and I, I said, well, yeah, just like Stargate. Now he had never heard of or seen Stargate. So he didn't yeah. know that someone had already done this like really, really well too. So well, Ben, let me ask yeah. you this. Um, cause you know, we talked about the first part, um, on kind of the differences between fantasy and science fiction, at least what we view as the difference. Yeah. Well, let, let me ask you, do, do you guys have a, have a preference? And, you know, I'll just tell you, like for me, um, you know, I love Star Trek. I love Star Wars. But when it comes down to the book, the best, my favorite books of all time is Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And and um, and I, I love science fiction, or at least what I interpret to be science fiction. Right. But when I when I read Lord of the Rings, I remember being um, in Return of the King and looking at the book and being halfway through going, wow, this is exciting. I still got a whole nother half of the book to go. And yeah. then a chapter later, it ends <laughs> because I didn't realize that the whole second half of the book was like histories and yeah. independent. And so I was devastated. <laughs> like I felt like I had lost my friends. I had locked myself in a room for two and a half weeks and read through all of the books. And wow. then all of a sudden it just ended. And I was so upset. Now, how old were you when you were doing that? I was like 19. <laughs> so you must have loved the film of Return of the King where it just kept ending and, and ending, ending. <laughs> and ending and ending. No, no, no. I was upset because they didn't even get the right ending. I kept wanting to see the hobbits go back and tear oh, down Saruman. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really have a problem with that. But that's another discussion for oh, another I day. Do. But um, so so for you, your 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 go-to would be a, a fantasy book. Is that what you're well, As far as books go, then, yeah. I mean, there's none other. I mean, because, like, I'll be honest. I, I love Mr. Burns. I love a lot of his his stuff. But my least favorite science fiction book that I've read recently is the mysterious Island. I was so bored out of my mind because the, almost the entire book you're reading like a history of how these castaways rebuild a society. <laughs> they built a clay stove. Wait, wait, is this Jules utensils. Verne's mysterious Island? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. This they, is the, they, is it a sequel or a prequel to 20,000 leagues under the it's sea? It's a sequel. It's a sequel. sequel. Okay. And so, um, it was so boring. It was just about <laughs> rebuilding science. And I'm like, this isn't science fiction. This is like science history. If I would have known that this was like a, I mean, I know later on it gets a little bit more, but I was so bored. So for me, my favorite fantasy sci-fi book uh, of the, those two genres is Lord of the Rings. So far, my least favorite of recent memory is The Mysterious Island, which is, by the way, the movie has nothing to do with the book almost except there's an island and there's water <laughs> and it's so, mysterious there's so, an island and water yeah. which you kind of need to make an island it, yeah but so so how about you islands guys? what's your what's your favorite book sci-fi fantasy what's your least favorite book sci-fi fantasy well I, and i'll tell you honestly when it comes to like watching something i enjoy both um because with a movie as long as there's something going on on the screen that's interesting, you, I, I can run with it. Yeah. Um, when it comes to reading, I do tend to read more uh, fantasy, probably. Um, you know, of course, I do read a lot of comic books, and so then you have your 
again, that's both. I really do believe that comic books, especially Marvel and DC, I should say, superhero yeah. stuff, yeah. superhero stories are like Star Wars. It really is a combination of the two. Yeah, I agree. Um, but if I'm reading a, I, I just started reading a, a book by um, Frank Herbert's son. It's Frank Herbert who wrote Dune. His son mm-hmm. uh, worked on some Dune sequels and, and that. But this is something that's original with his son. And I thought, okay, this is cool. This is, I'm going to read this. And and I just started reading it and I couldn't. Um, and a well-written, engaging science fiction book, I can follow and I, I can run with that. I can go with that. But a lot of times science fiction does get caught up in the science. And that that bothers me because I feel like I'm being, like you just said, you know, this is history. This is you know, this is right. explaining all these details that I'm really not all that interested in. Right. And with fantasy, you have that as well, but it's not like it's not real. You know, it's it's explaining the <laughs> rules of magic, which, you know, I think can be more interesting because it is more you, you made to, up. Yeah. In fantasy, you have to have you have to explain a little bit of, of how this world or this universe of whatever book or movie you're watching so that the audience understands it or science our science fiction tends to spend a lot of time explaining those rules and laws. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I'm trying to think of the last you know, good thing that I've read. I love Narnia though. And here's, here's an interesting one though. Uh, C.S. Lewis's space trilogy. Mm-hmm. What's interesting to me is that C.S. Lewis's space trilogy starts out as science fiction. The first book, he tries to write a rocket from earth to the moon and mm-hmm. how it would work. And these details about gravity and, and, you know, force and all these different little things. And then, then you get to the planet and it's these details about the planet, which the planet is interesting, but he included the, um, the Mars canals, even though at that point in, in our actual history, we knew they weren't real. Um, right. And, but then you get to Paralandra, the second book where he goes to Venus mm-hmm. and how does he get them there? By angels. <laughs> angels put the guy in a box and carry him to Venus. And, he actually said uh, in an article that he he had learned his lesson and that when it came to the next book, he was just going to get the guy there and get the story going and not worry yeah. about trying to make it that literal uh, uh, sci-fi. Um, right. So I, I do tend toward fantasy, although I, I enjoy science fiction, um, but I, I, and in my writing as well, I tend toward fantasy and I, I got eviscerated on, with a review on, on one of my uh, kids book that I did where it was science based, but uh, you know, sci-fi time travel stuff. But um, my, my understanding of quantum mechanics was not your, good enough to your annual plug. Hey, I didn't say what the title was <coughs> time flies. Time flies. <laughs> so Steve, Steve, what about you? What's your, your, your most favorite and your least favorite of all? Ah, uh, wow. Um, well, if it comes to fantasy, usually I will stay with um, Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and fairy tales. Uh, I love the old fairy tales. Um, are they, you talking about like the Brothers Grimm or are you talking about like Christian Anderson? Uh, uh, Brothers Grimm, Christian Anderson, uh, George MacDonald, uh, no relation – um, you know, th- those ones, the, the ones that, that, that stand out, the ones that are still true to that form. I, I find very few modern fairy tales that hold up to that. There are some that are good. There are some that are well done, but none that really 
hold up to that th- that tradition where it's it's just more innocent. It's not written, uh, or it doesn't seem like it's written for uh, a specific audience or for a specific impact. It's written because this is how they were told. This is the story. Here it is. You take you know you you take the story as it's given to you. Um, nowadays, mm-hmm. it's it, I think it's more about manipulating the audience or you know trying to get a trick ending or a twist or something at the end which is good for what it what it's worth but you know i really like the the older stuff um probably because i'm an elderly gentleman and uh, <laughs> you're not that old, elderly Steve. anyway you're not that old elderly. or according to student z geezerly yeah geezerly <laughs> steve is there is there one though that you that is your least favorite of all sci-fi or fantasy that you just think is a complete waste of time I think any uh, any fantasy story that re- that dumbs down the magic um, to a point where it loses its literary convention. Uh, to, and like I said, this is a, a, a thing I want to take in a different episode, so I won't really go into it. But when you have someone who can use both black magic and white magic at the same time, or someone who can... Uh, you know, do incantations uh, plus uh, invocations at the same time, and 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 you're mixing two things you're, that shouldn't be mixed. So you, and basically, it, your issue is like uh, because since fantasy, I, I don't know if we actually mentioned it here, uh, fantasy tends to have a little bit more of a metaphor or allegory. Your issue is kind of, from what you said in previous podcasts, is kind of um, a duality of good versus evil. And that a, a character can't do both good versus evil in that context. Is that what you're getting at? It's a little deeper than that, but for the, the this conversation, I think we can leave it at that. Yeah, the the metaphor is lost there. And when it is, and I'm reading, and I can't get past that point, it's just, you know, to me, I'm like, well, well, well why put why put magic in there? Why don't you just have something completely different? But that's a lot of modern literature anyway. Where they're, It is, they're, yeah. There isn't the the strong, you know, good versus evil and that sort of thing. And, and you know, I have I have I take issue with a lot of people who are trying to like write superhero stories because they don't believe in good versus evil. Right. You know, it's it's hard to write a story about good versus evil if you don't believe in good or evil. Right. Um, I, I I think that that's um, you know, we were talking earlier. Ben, you'd asked us how we would define science fiction versus fantasy, and I think in general. I mean, some new things are going on, but it seems to me that fantasy, there's a lot more room for spiritual, biblical, allegory, symbolism, and science fiction. It seems to go almost exclusively humanistic. Do you, in, a, do you, in a lot of ways it does, yeah. Well, and do you, yeah, so I mean, do these lend themselves to certain kinds of storytelling then? I find well, when, yeah. when I'm writing when i'm writing fantasy i'm able to take spiritual concepts and show them in a positive light and that's how the story plays out you know there's a positive spiritual concept here it's positive and you have an ending when i do science fiction it's usually contrasting and you you i take something that's a, a spiritual truth and show how it is not happening because of the uh, technology or culture that it's based on or whatever, and then show it sort of in a in a negative light that way. Not mm. that 
technology is wrong or science is wrong or anything like that, but just that truth that I'm trying to tell how it is, it, it's being, it's trying to be circumvented by the science or the technology or whatever. Um, and, but then it breaks through. So, you know, the ask, characters may fail, but the, the truth right. succeeds. Well, let me ask you guys this. All right. I'm just, I'm going to ask you, um, two questions and just off the top of your head, you just shoot them at me as, as, be, as best you can. Without stepping them, on toes, right? Yeah. Without stepping. <laughs> no, I don't care if you step on toes okay. or hands or ears. Um, all right. I want you to think fantasy, fantasy only. Think of fantasy books and movies um, and or movies that you think have strong Judeo-Christian spiritual meanings to them. Not that all the characters are, are fluffy, but that the that the, the truths that, that you can pull spiritual Christian truths out of these movies. So just fantasy. So just start list and I'll stop you. I'll stop, I might have to cut you off, but. So just start naming whatever comes to mind. Uh, ex- you don't have to explain them. You don't have to explain them. Just throw them. Excalibur, Lord of Rings, Narnia, Narnia, Lord of the Rings. Um, I do think there's some Harry Potter in Harry Potter. Harry, Harry Potter, yeah. Um, the, uh, uh, if uh, it's if it's done correctly, summon um, Dark Crystal. The 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 King Arthur stuff. If it's done yeah. in that tradition, uh, Beowulf. Um, what about modern stuff? Yeah, so I'm trying uh, to think more of modern stuff. <laughs> yeah, the the modern Beowulf movies, no, <laughs> I don't think they have anything to do with Christianity. Um, There's but, something to uh, be found in like Wizard of Oz as well. Yeah. Um, I would okay. take issue with that, but you would know more than that. <laughs> okay, more about all that right. Than I, now, um, on 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 the more on on science fiction, if we take the 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 more hardline view of science fiction that it's based on, you know, science, um, what, what science fiction stories do you think have Judeo-Christian spiritual undertones? The Space Trilogy. Um, yeah, Judeo-Christian, Judeo- not, not just religious, but Judeo- Judeo-Christian, right? Yeah, Judeo-Christian, because you, you're saying that the Space Trilogy, when Ben was saying that it, there was more fantasy in that than science fiction. Science fiction in the first book, but fantasy in the other. So that that's debatable if we take that perspective of science fiction. But can you? How many? Can you think of many science fiction? Star Trek Five. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the the Breads and Circuses episode of Star Trek: The Original Series. Solaris is one. There's some interesting. It's not intentional, though. I don't think. I I, I say that because um, for me. I mean, it seems like the same thing. I had a far easier time coming up with fantasy things that, you know, even if you right. go into fairy tales that Steve was saying that have a stronger uh, Christian allegorical message that you can pull out of it right. versus science fiction. Which is very humanistic or at the very least, it is all embracing. You know, it's, I, And I it's think one like, difference, though, is, you know, science fiction is about kind of what is and what could be. And it's thinking... You know, you got the humanism factor, but it's also thinking about okay, well, where are we going as 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 a, a race of humans? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it is more focused on the possibilities and the external, I think. And with fantasy, it's still focused on the external, but like you're saying about the allegory aspect of things, you've got 
you know, swords and good versus evil and magic rings and um, creatures that represent different aspects of humanity. Um, so, so you do you think the convention of fantasy is, is easier to be able to tell those kind of stories? I definitely think it's easier to tell those kind of stories. Yeah. I think that that's... Do, do you think that it just depends on... Because if you took a, a Christian... Um, I had a chance to study in college with um, with George Smoot, who was one of... He's a Nobel Prize winner. One of the most... Um, um, Stephen Hawking credited him with one of the greatest discoveries in the last hundred years. He he was helped develop the Hubble telescope. And um, he would... I took a, a special program with him and it was about creation and the conversation of creation versus evolution came up and um, he made the comment. And I don't know if he still feels this way or not, that there are times when people who believe in creation are people who believe in pure straight evolution, that there was no design. No, it was just by accident actually have to go on more um, faith than those who believe that there was an intelligent design. Yeah, um, definitely. So, so what in my thing is that science fiction completely depends on the worldview of the person, because if the worldview is purely that it's all about humanity, you know, this whole concept, be the best you you can be. Well, that's not a Christian worldview. That's a very humanistic worldview, because, yeah. you know, what if you're a jerk? Be the best jerk you can be. <laughs> I've um, tried. I've really tried. Yes, I know, Steve. <laughs> but, um, but we're supposed to be the best, you know, if. If humanity is left to our own devices, the future is not bright, which right. I think is very in, indicative of of science fiction stories in general, because stories were the human race like Star Trek. I love Star Trek. But the concept that we will get better and we will improve and we will eradicate hunger and all these kind of things. Well, you know, if that were completely true, then it wouldn't just be Earth, you know, because all of a sudden. Earth is perfect and everywhere else is not. To me, that's a very hollow future. And that's the one part of Star Trek that never fully rang true for me. And and it's, you know, if you look at like Deep Space Nine, I'm, I'm watching through that right now. They have a bunch of episodes where they actually do commentary on that, you know, where they talk about when you're living in paradise, it's easy to make the right decisions and that sort of thing. And the Federation is paradise. But I do think in some ways, you know, we've talked about. Um, is that true, though? What? Sometimes in, in paradise, it's harder because you get lazy and you 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 get sports, you know, in America over the last 20 years. I mean, it's getting tough recently, but we've had extreme, extreme financial prosperity as far as um, in general. And it's definitely far from perfect. No, mm -hmm. but what, what there's that's not what they're saying. What they're saying is in the Federation, it's easy to see things in black and white because everything is good and, and happy and shiny. but if you're outside of that and there's, there is gray areas outside, you know, that, that they don't mention like Star Trek next generation, none of the grit that you find in like deep space nine is there because deep space nine was really trying to be something different and right. trying to do more human stories and more and, 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 and kind of not poke holes in Gene Roddenberry's vision of where humanity could go, but explore, some of the ramifications of that. Um, right. But what I, what, what I was about to say there was, um, you know, with, with fantasy and with, with star Wars and with science fiction and all these different things, 
Um, you know, in Star Wars, we all, I think, found some spiritual ideas and spiritual truths that weren't intended to be there, but that couldn't help but be there because of the story that was being told. Spe specifically, you know, the good versus evil aspect of things where there's supposed to be balance and that kind of thing, but that ultimately George Lucas wants us to root for the good guys, you know, and, and, that, and that. And with Star Trek, I think part of what Gene Roddenberry is striving for and yearning for when he was coming up with that idea goes back to just our human um, innate desire to, to be like God and to, you know, to have that perfection and to have that paradise. And it's kind of like with uh, C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien, where before C.S. Lewis became a, a believer Basically, Tolkien and some other guys were saying, well, why do these stories of the sacrificial god in the Norse mythology appeal to you? It, it appeals to you because there is a, an innate understanding in your, your very being that there's truth there and that yeah. there has to be sacrifice in order for, you know, good to prevail and, and just some of that different kind of thing there. Yeah. yeah. Romans uh, talks about how we we – as human beings, we know the truth, but we suppress it. And overcoming that suppression in some people, and bringing them to a point where you know you can you can see these threads coming through. You do appreciate sacrifice in this in these myths. You do appreciate these little things, and bringing that through uh, can come a huge way in in overcoming the a person suppressing uh, Christianity and the reality of Jesus. Um, so it, that's, that's a well, huge, a really good think, point there. I think Ben, what you were saying about, um, about the spiritual truths is, I, I just think that I would love to see more science fiction, um, have some deeper meanings. Cause I know, I mean, I love Star Trek, but Gene Robinberry, I, I believe, I believe I saw uh, an article where he s stated that, um, that all of the characters in, um, in Star Trek were supposed to be atheists because they were too smart to believe in God, which is interesting because right. in, in one of the, the original series, Spock has a quote, uh, like a little monologue at the end where he actually speaks about Jesus, um, which I thought was very interesting. I can't remember the name of that episode. Well, it's there were, Star Trek V where, you know, <laughs> um, basically Kirk, I doubt any God who inflicts pain but they, for his own pleasure. But they do admit there there's the possibility of, of something more there. Yeah. Um, well, and I think a lot of these people that we're talking about don't really know the power of the stories that they're talking about. Like we talked about the original yeah. trilogy in Star Wars. Well, obviously, it almost seems like a different worldview in the new trilogy. And the same is true for, like, The Matrix. The Matrix, right. the first one, has kind of these kind of savior kind of uh, <laughs> yeah. looks to it. And then all of a sudden, the second and third installment of Matrix is like, what is this? This went from, like, a Judeo-Christian view to, like, a Buddhist or I don't know what this is hedonistic yeah, it view stands it on its ear and just it changes the whole the whole dynamic of it. So when you watch the first one, and then you watch the second two, it completely recasts the first one. And you say to yourself, "How could that have been a, the the story in the first hey, Steve, one?" Steve, I disagree. I just ignore that the second two even exist. There you go. That's <laughs> I, just I agree with you there. I, I, just I, I also it. disagree. But uh, I, I think one of one of the good things, uh, the interesting things that you brought up was, you know, seeing what could be in these in these uh, productions like Firefly or Serenity. Um, I was watching it, and you had the character of, of Book, who had a deep oh, history. Yeah. Which you didn't really know what was going on. 
And then in the movie, it just completely degenerates that character, yeah. brings it down to a, a base where he he's actually going against. I mean, if you're thinking about him as a Christian, as someone who's actually turned his life around and repented and put his faith in Jesus Christ and all that stuff, if he has done that, and at the very end he tells Mal just go and do something, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. Just yeah, do I was I was completely. Uh, blown away by that i was it just recast the entire thing and i'm like so this character basically you don't care about his spiritual uh, message you don't care about his 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 growth or his impact on the group because at the very end the very last thing that he can possibly do unless he's written letters or something to them just retracts that or whatever well, but we, the very last thing away. he can do yeah, yeah. as a character don't, don't get away we should have a whole episode on on firefly and serenity yeah, definitely. I think that some people get caught up in the whole idea of something being just a story, too. Um, and I don't think there is such a thing as just a story. I think people don't – I think storytellers don't realize the power that their stories have. And I think if they re- understood that, that they would kind of take a step back and say, okay, well, when I'm doing The Matrix 2 and 3, um, maybe there are some some truths that are part of this that, that I'm just trying to – not even think about or acknowledge or when I'm talking about this character of book. Um, although there is a graphic novel that gets into his background that kind of, I, I, I like it and it's, it's, it's Joss Whedon approved, but um, I think you get kind of, I think a lot of storytellers, especially in science fiction uh, and fantasy where they just say, well, it's just a story. I don't have to worry about the consequences of right. telling a story in this way, kind of going back to Steve's problem with modern fantasies, um, which have, you know, it's just all gray and no black and white. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, uh, final thoughts or should we just move on yeah. to our mailbag? Jace? Just, the final Jace? thoughts real quick is you're absolutely right, Ben. Every TV show, every movie has a worldview. We teach, I actually teach this in class. There's different lenses in which to interpret movies or, or stories in general. And you can't get beyond the worldview of of a story. Um, and so when you guys, if you're watching a movie, for listeners, when you watch a movie, read a book, just don't look at it as just a consumer where you don't actually think about it. If the message in it is skewed, you need to recognize that it's skewed. Um, because right now, media is the number one influence in young people's lives more than their parents. And they are literally movies tv shows books are determining people's value systems mm-hmm. and so we need to be very cautious and that's i think that's one of the reasons why we do this podcast a little bit differently through not just intellectual but also from a, a spiritual perspective because you have to process um, entertainment that way and i think that's mm-hmm. the value of entertainment in some ways is that you are processing and you are taking a look at your own worldview as you're looking at other worldviews. But, but not everybody does that. In fact, yeah. the, the no, I, I totally agree that yeah, not everybody it, does that. I'm just saying that is yeah. a value to yes. it is, is that, okay, yeah, I can watch something that is against my worldview, but am I an active watcher? Am I thinking as I'm watching or am I just imbibing as I'm watching? Am I just... I think people need to go to the next step, not just realizing that there's something off, but figuring out why it's off. Right. Or why it's on too. I mean, that's, that's the idea. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, that's, yeah. And, and that's why I hope that when I'm writing, 
my own stories that I'm hoping that I'm causing people to think and causing people to, um, you know, analyze, okay, well, why is this story like this? And, and why are those characters doing what they're doing? And is that, is that good that they are doing that? And is well, that, it, as I think as Christian authors, creators, we should do that. Like in my book, oh my gosh, I just said my book. I, <laughs> I, I wrote a book, a crazy circus world, and it is a fantasy. And even though it's a children's book, there was a definite worldview in mind. Now, I didn't just sit there and go, I'm going to make sure this message comes out. It was just a natural progression of right. who I am. And the truth is, is not every piece of art that you do or create is going to be the same, but your body of work should reflect who you are and what right. you believe. Your body right. of work. Yeah. And, and some things will have more of an overt message than others. And, yeah. it just, and a lot of that means being true to your story, being true to yourself. That's one thing I, I teach people is um, when you're writing. You need to be true to your story, and in do being true to your story, you're being true to yourself, and, right. and being true then to your God, um, which really is what it comes down to. Is when I write a story, I want it to honor God, even if it's a one-page story about, um, you know, just some goofy guys doing something goofy. Well, am I mm -hmm. dishonoring God with that story or not? Right. And do, definitely. Do you guys recognize the fact that our our last comments are always really long? <laughs> I I made my last comment. I'm commenting on your last comment. This is oops. exactly. So then it wasn't your last comment. <laughs> no, Steve. What about you, man? Um, I want to sum it up by uh, just reading very quickly what uh, J.R.R. Tolkien um, said about what a successful fairy tale does or exhibits, and um, make a comment on that. Basically, in his view. And this is someone who had a, a deep understanding of the whole thing. Um, it revolves around these three things. Recovery of the appreciation of the simple and humble things in our world. The escape from one's narrow and distorted view of the world. And the consolation that leads to a kind of joy even in the face of continuing evil in the world. So you have recovery of simple things. The escape from narrow-mindedness and the consolation of joy, even in the face of continuing evil. And uh, interestingly, you can sort of see how Christianity plays into um, that paradigm, where you're recovering the simple and humble things in the world. You know, God uses the the humble things, the baser things, to to show His glory and escape from the narrow and distorted view of the world. You're you're escaping from, you know, that that sense of whatever it could be cynicism it could be whatever um, and then you have that consolation that joy that is a gift from god real true joy is a gift from god and uh in the face of continuing evil we continue through our lives and we will until the end of uh, in you know when god ends time so you have those three elements playing in both fairy tales and in christianity that's a good place for us to end this conversation. We want to thank you guys for listening once again. Uh, I'm Ben, and with me are... Steve. Dr. Jace. <laughs> Toe-stepping perfect, my plan worked. You couldn't have done that better if I had asked you to. You're welcome. You did ask us to. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. So, um... And still keep writing, guys. Also, keep writing on our, our website, and we'll keep doing these shows and um, cool mail bags. And uh, God bless you all. Godspeed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for listening and Godspeed.
You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Evan David, Steve McDonald, and Dr. Jason Neal. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com, where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com. Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter, where we are at Strange and Alien, or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is 1-804-3780. And once again, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.